Hello and welcome to another episode of the A-Leagues of Our Own podcast presented by The Inner Sanctum. Emily Van Egmond signed off her four-game stint at Newcastle with a win, but with Serena Bolden and Melina Ayres leading the line, EVE is leaving the Jets in good hands. Victory became the first team to keep a clean sheet against Canberra, who fortunately still are including Vesna Milivojevic. The heavyweight encounter between Perth and Sydney ends in a stalemate, so did Central Coast versus Melbourne City when they eventually got underway. Adelaide pick up their first win of the season and the Raw are still winless under new coach Alex Smith. My name is Lachlan Abel and joining me today to break down your weekend dub action is Paletti. Hello to you. Hello, hello. How did you enjoy your dub weekend of football? Uh, I think I might have enjoyed it a little bit better if I wasn't up until midnight on the East Coast watching a stalemate <laughs> on a Sunday <laughs> night. Um, oh, look, it was a very good game overall and both sides could probably feel a little bit aggrieved that they didn't walk away victorious, both having some uh, ideal chances. Um, but overall, it was a very good weekend of dub action. I don't want to say it was one of the best this season, but it's definitely up there. But it's it been a, it was a good weekend full of highlights across the board. Well, you have just gotten home from Monday Night Football in Campbelltown, so we'll get stuck into it, shall we? Uh, the headliner of the week, Newcastle Jets 4, Western United 2. As I mentioned, this is the last of four games that the Jets have had with Emily Van Egmond. We said last week they probably did need a win to get those six points with EBE and the team really just cap off that guest stint nicely. And, you know, the focus has been on her impact into the team on the training park, especially in the, you know, the tips and the wisdom she can impart on some of the younger players. But oh, that little assist and then for Bolden, the chip over the top, those little bits of quality, that's something special. And they definitely will miss that when she leaves. If Serena Bolden is not front and center of Newcastle's marketing campaign for the remainder of the season, what is going up there in the Hunter? <laughs> Bolden is who you need to center everything around given that Van Egmond is uh, on her way out after her guest stint. Like some world-class goals, just always getting in and around the action and honestly can't ask enough of what Bolden is doing in terms of you know performance on the field. And so front and center, that's how you need to approach this going forward. And of course, EVE was good, but this was really positive all around from the Jets. It wasn't just an easy game. They went ahead twice and got pegs back. They needed to keep going. We saw Melina Ayres come off the bench. She thought she scored a goal, got ruled out in the end, but she's back from injury. And so even when Emily leaves, there's still a lot left behind that Jets fans can be excited about. Yeah, and it's the fact that they're getting that winning culture. They're getting that high-performing culture coming in where – you know, it's not just loss after loss after loss that has plagued Newcastle uh, for a number of seasons now. It's building that. Um, it, it's building that culture, and uh, Van Egmond's definitely had a part in that over the last over the last few games. This is a game where you could almost forget the first half even happened because it was all <laughs> action in the second forty-five. Honestly, like this just needs to keep on building. There's something special going up there in the Hunter this season, and. I want to see Newcastle playing finals football because based on these opening few rounds, they deserve to be there at the end of the season now. And the support for the team in terms of spectator numbers has been incredible as well, right? Yeah, I mean, we saw uh, probably about a month ago now, give or take, three weeks. um, You know, they set the ground record of 3,200 and change at the number two sports ground. 
and then broke that last week uh, by almost 600, so by over 600 people, 3842, I think, off the top of my head. Um, so, you know, the, they're breaking crown records up there at number two sports ground. Um, they've got a game, at least one later on this year at Maitland Sports Ground, which is the overall club record uh, for the dub of 4100 and change. So if the Newcastle Jets keep on going the way they're going, they're going to break that record and good on them if slash when they do it because they're having a good season. Everyone needs to get behind them in Newcastle. I mean, how for how many years have we heard across both the men's and the women's that Newcastle just can't win? Like The, the men's program really fell off after that uh, grand final against the victory. I know COVID didn't help. Change of ownership, again, uh, <laughs> hasn't helped them. But, um, you know, on the women's side, it's been a lot of, a lot of defeats and now, you know, you've got a winning team again and honestly just get out and support them because they're performing well and it's going to be a good night of entertainment. Absolutely. And they're doing really great things. From a Western United point of view, I don't think you can be too upset at this performance slash result. You know, I think they were just beaten by a better team. You know, Stacey Papadopoulos, what an absolute worldie, by the way, to bring it back to two all. And then, as we said before, Van Egmont goes and plays that ball through to Bolden, the chip over the keeper. I'm not sure if there's a whole lot you can do about that. Sometimes you're just beaten by a better team. Yeah, I mean, you can see what Cat Smith's trying to put together down there at Western United after she's taken over from from Mark Torcaso. Um, honestly, yeah, it, it just looks like it was one of those games where you get beaten by a side that's performing, you know, a little bit better than you and. That, that's kind of all there is to it. That's football from, you know, at times. Like you can't you can't do much about that. I don't want to give a shout out to Taryn Hedder on commentary. She was absolutely brilliant throughout this entire game. And uh, honestly, the, her call for that uh, Serena Bolden goal, chef's kiss, beautiful. Just absolutely beautiful. Maybe Mark Torcaso, who is the Philippines national team boss, of course, saw saw the Jets sign Bolden, saw them on the fixture <laughs> list in a couple like, of weeks. Nope. No, I don't want any part of it. <laughs> Before we move on, there is one thing I want to say about this game. Paramount, what are you doing? There was an incident in this game with the uh, with the score. Again, we saw it uh, in the men's on Friday night um, in the Aloisi Derby, and it's happened again here. It was uh, it was a four two. There was a goal that went in that was disallowed uh, for Newcastle, and the scoreboard uh, on the broadcast still said five two, even though it was four two and. Uh, I believe it went on for a few minutes before it was corrected again. Um, what are we doing here? Like, get people at the grounds again. It, it's it, like doing all this remotely is having a hamper, like having a very negative impact on the product. Like, it's we're beyond this, surely, right? You're right. Look, Paramount, they're facing the consequences of it now because it's having a significant impact on the quality of their broadcasts over the last couple of weeks. Um, so, Look, it's their decision at the end of the day. If they don't do it, their products will suffer for it. It'll be interesting to see if anything changes. Okay, on now to Melbourne victory two, Canberra United nil. Despite Canberra sitting very, very low on the table, Paletti, they are the most prolific scoring team in the competition if you look at goals per game. Of course, they're still two down on most of the competition. They've scored 16 in six but they didn't score in this game against the Melbourne Victory, the first team to keep a clean sheet against them. And 
to be honest, it was complete domination. Uh, yes, Canberra only played with 10 players for majority of the second half, but 25 shots to three, uh, zero on target from Canberra, 62% possession to the work. This was a very comprehensive performance from the victory. Yeah, it absolutely was. And it's the sort of performance that you've kind of seen glimpses of all season. Like, yeah, there was that routing of Newcastle earlier this year um, at the home of the Matildas, but this has been something that's been building for a while. We've seen it from the victory this season. And uh, what was it? What was it we were saying? That Jeff Hopkins only needs to get them going for a few weeks. And, you know, that's what we've seen for the last few seasons. And a victory team clicking this early, if they can maintain that momentum, is a scary thought for anyone in the competition, especially the career Aquino has finally found the goal-scoring boots and, you know, all she needed was one and that's what everyone's been saying is all she needs is one and they're going to start going in. I mean, the first goal is definitely one to forget for, for Chloe Lincoln. I'm guessing it just took a slight bounce at the wrong moment from what I could see. Um, it was just a little bit too high and you just lose that one and uh, it's sort of goal you want to forget and then... Uh, the red card for dogs. So I mean, uh, keeper's got to commit there, and we'd be, we'd probably be sitting here criticizing Chloe Lincoln if she went in half-hearted and the goals ended up in the back of the net anyway. So it's an unfortunate situation. I mean, at the end of the day, clear dog, so you can't really, can't really say anything about it. But yeah, definitely a game to forget for the Canberra goalkeeper, and she'll now sit out of action against the Mariners this weekend. Uh, dog, so is of course denial of. Obvious goal scoring opportunity. I did have to Google that when you mentioned it the first time. So I'm sure there are other people out there <laughs> like me. Um, I also had to Google Woso Soccer when you brought that up. Women's Soccer. <laughs> Just giving a little acronym knowledge for everyone listening. A little bit of education. My apologies. <laughs> we're not. We're all not all as hip and uh, in the in the Twitter scene as you are, Pauletti. If I'm, it said if I'm hip, that's a problem. <laughs> No, but uh, you're correct. Uh, everything you said, you know, Aquino, three goals in her last three now. You know, we've talked many times about how prolific she was in the uh, MPLW season in Victoria uh, this year gone. She's starting to find the back of the net with consistency. Yeah, Chloe Lincoln, as you said, unfortunate day. She's probably a little bit out of position. I don't know if she needs to be outside her box for that. I don't know. That's debatable. I guess if there is one positive from Canberra out of this game, it is that Vesna Milivojevic was fit to start. We were a little bit worried about her. She, of course, uh, scored that hat-trick last week but had to leave the field due to injury. The dreaded three-letter acronym was thrown around a little bit. Um, anterior cruciate ligament. There you go. There's three for you. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, she's okay. So that's good. Obviously one of the best players in the league. We like when our good players are on the field. Yeah, it's so good to see uh, Milivojevic take the field and actually look fine. Like, it was just a small knock last week, thankfully, um, instead of that dreaded uh, three-letter injury that uh, I'm trying not to mention by name because <laughs> I feel like it's like a jinx or a curse. Like You mention it, bang. Um, so hopefully, yeah, no more injury concerns for uh, Milivojevic. And hopefully... Uh, Touch wood, no more injury concerns of that nature for anyone this season, please. just let, mm. Let's just get through this season again, please. That's all I'm asking. Yeah, way too many ACLs in the women's game we're seeing. I think we're going at probably just under one a week now, but that's still too many, isn't it? Yeah, that was way too many. 
Okay, well, we'll move on to what was pitched as the heavyweight encounter, uh, as you mentioned, probably late, late on a Sunday night. Perth Glory versus Sydney FC. Perth, of course, started the season incredibly well, got that away win against City last week. Sydney have come back from the AFC competitions with a couple of games in hand. They're looking really good, getting some wins under their belt. Nil all draw, who would have thought it? You know, um, I was saying last week, you know, with the trio in Perth of Grace Charley, Susan Fong Song Cam and Millie Farrow, how do you stop all three of them in one game? Um, I guess you stick Sydney FC on the park. That, that's your answer on how to stop them. Have 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 the third choice keeper for the Matildas in goals. I mean, look, this was this was a very strong performance by both sides. There were chances where Perth could have won it. There were chances where Sydney could have won it. Um, how this game ended scoreless is almost beyond me. I thought this was a very strong contest. I don't quite want to say that this is a grand final preview yet. It's still way too early in the season. But if both of these sides continue to perform at the levels that we know they can perform at, there's no reason this couldn't be 1-2 at the end of the year in some capacity, especially once Sydney get through their catch-up games uh, in in January. So it's going to be interesting to see how these sides continue to progress. I mean, one of the clear-cut chances that stood out for me for Sydney was, I want to say it was around the 80th minute, it was Princess Abini. Basically only has to keep it a beat just inside the 18-yard box and absolutely skies it. That, to me, stood out as the moment of the game because that should have won it, especially after Jada Wyman has done so well at the other end for, for Sydney FC. He came up with some very crucial saves. And it, to me... On the Sydney side of things, that stood out as the moment um, where they should have won it. On the Glory side of things, uh, there was, I believe it was a free kick off the top of my head that came in, diving header, and Jada's just had to absolutely just go go to a left and has you know gotten right around it. If Jada's not there, that's going in. And so for me, I think if that ball, uh, that header in just had a little bit more power or it's a little bit further to the right, that's 1-0 for the glory. And I'm not saying that Sydney wouldn't have found a way back from there um, because we certainly know the quality that's in that Sydney FC side. But to me, those stood out on either side of the pitch as the two key moments um, of the second half where both sides probably should have walked away with it. You're giving a lot of credit to Jada Wyman and rightfully so. Her opposite number as well, Morgan Aquino, deserves a lot of credit for earning Perth a point in this game. You know, Sydney had the majority of the chances. Uh, both sides did have quality chances, but the sheer quantity was definitely in favour of the Sydney FC attack. And Aquino answered every question that was put in front of her. And if it wasn't for her, then Sydney would be walking away with three points. I think that I think her performance for me was probably the most impactful on the game. Yeah, absolutely. For me, Morgan Aquino has been the keeper of the season by far um, and will probably continue to perform about this. And let's not forget, and I had someone point this out to me uh, during the game last night on Twitter, something that had completely escaped my mind is the fact that she's keeping Sally James out of the starting lineup. So you've got Sally James, who, because of injuries last year, lost the starting job to Melissa Barbieri, leaves Melbourne City, goes to Perth. Everyone expects her to be the starting keeper. And now Morgan Aquino is keeping her out of the job. Like, it's... You've got to feel for Sally James at this point. (laughs) She, She just can't seem to catch a break. But honestly, Aquino has been performing so well. I called her in 
the 2022 NPL New South Women's Grand Final. She was playing for Northern Tigers at the time, lost on penalty shootout to MacArthur, who went back-to-back this year in the MPLW. And honestly, like watching the end of that game, I just felt so bad for Aquino because she was just coming up with save after save after save. Like She was easily one of, if not the best player on the ground that night. And honestly, I was getting flashbacks to, to that game last night when I was just watching her performance. She's, as I said, she's been the keeper of the season by far. And honestly, like if she's not, she's not the keeper of the season at the end of it. If she's not making everyone's, you know, team of the season sheets. Then something's gone wrong because she's just performing so well. And if the glory do go all the way, she's going to be a massive part as to why. Well, we're pretty much a third of the way through the A League Women's season now. You mentioned you think Perth and Sydney probably pretty heavy favourites to be in that top four selection, which I I tend to agree with you in that respect. Where do you sit on your your top four, your top six? Where are you thinking some of these teams are at at the moment? For me, I think you're adding in Melbourne City and Melbourne Victory into that top four, the two Melbourne teams along with the Sky Blues and the Glory. Wellington obviously started the season very well. They've they've only picked up one point in their last two games, so a, a little bit of a stumble in that case. But, you know, Paul Temple's doing some really nice things there. The Jets are building some momentum. Uh, you know, Western United have looked good in areas as well. They could be in the conversation. It's With the fact that Canberra United still have two games in hand, like let's run off the assumption that they win both of those games, they're right back into the mix of that top six spot. You know, Sydney still have two, game in hand, two games in hand and could go right near the top of the table. Do you think it's a little brave to play with the prediction that Canberra could win both considering they've only won one game? I'm running off a hypothetical here, okay, right? Okay. I've run up and down the table. It's because not because of the delays because of Sydney's AFC campaign and then that rescheduled Wanderers Canberra game that was supposed to be in Bathurst. Not everyone's played the same amount of games yet, so you're kind of running off these hypotheticals here of who can beat who with these games in hand, right? Like, uh, So like conceivably... We could have a bunch of teams all tied on 10 points right now, conceivably speaking. It's a little bit weird to be looking at it from the perspective of that. But, I mean, look, Perth, I think, will be there at the end of the year. City have got such a strong lineup. There's no reason they shouldn't be there. You know, you said victory as well. Absolutely no reason. Like, Jeff Hopkins knows how to turn it on when he needs to turn it on. I think Sydney will come good. So, that's – I've already got four. I really think if the Jets can keep going, then there's no reason they can't. So that's five. I mean, Wellington, Western United, uh, Brisbane are still winless under Alex Smith, and we're going to get to that a little bit later. Who knows what's happening out at Western Sydney? Uh, I ran out my top six. I'll put Wellington in, in six. So that's my top six. So it'll be Perth, two Melbournes, Wellington, Sydney, Newcastle Jets in no particular order. That's my top six prediction now, and watch that go to crap in about three weeks. I think I'm with you. I think I'm with you. I mean, we've essentially just copied and pasted the top six as they sit on the table, but, you know, (laughs) oh, well. I mean, it's just so hard to to kind of pick out where every team is at at the moment. It is. Well, one of those teams that will absolutely be knocking on the door is the Central Coast Mariners. They're a really interesting team because they've looked really good in patches and they've also looked really average in patches. And then all of a sudden they play Melbourne City and they get a point out of it. And, you know, this game was crazy for a whole bunch of reasons. Number one, because they didn't start the game on time because people couldn't get in the grounds. Yeah, it was a power outage up on the coast. Um, 
the term PK link gets thrown around a lot. So we're just gonna I'm just gonna let that one go. Th- I'm gonna let that one go through to the keeper. Um, <laughs> uh, look, when the game got underway, this was a good game to good game to watch. I mean, I know it's cliche. Both sides could have won this. Uh, Roller Battleia gets her second goal of the season. That's right, her second goal of the season. Keep that in mind, people. And but City came back firing. Uh, you know, Stotty's doing incredible things down there at City. Really finding her game again. And honestly, I don't want to say that the Mariners were unlucky in the end because I th- this felt like a game where both sides got the result they deserved, right? I think City were good in patches but couldn't break down the defense. And I think the Mariners, I don't want to say struggled in attack because they certainly created chances. I just think they ran... They just ran into some unlucky fortunes, but I think both. Yeah. I think a one-one result kind of it, it's quote unquote a fair result in this game. In my yeah, opinion. I think you're right on the balance of play over ninety minutes. I'd probably agree with you. Of course, we did see you know Central Coast get denied by two goal line clearances. Um, so like you know you watch the highlights package, you see those, you think oh you know Central Coast probably could have had three, but you know that's a one-all draw against this Melbourne City outfit is a great result for them. That's, you know, that's a win, you know, so to speak. And, you know, City now, they're coming off the loss against Perth at home last week. Only a manager point against the Mariners. They've got a big test this week coming up with the Melbourne Derby. Two games is nothing big to worry about. But Melbourne City will be hoping that, you know, they start picking up the wins. It definitely seems like it's the pick of the games for me next week. You know, as as the standout of all the fixtures, I think if you were going to, if you're only going to tune into one A League women's game next week, that's definitely the game. It's second versus third. You know, it kind of tells you everything you need to know about this game. And they've played some good matches in the past at at Amy Park. There's a there's a Boxing Day match that comes to mind. I believe that our city ran out like five nil or five one or six one victors in that one. Like it was just an absolute drubbing by City, and I. Th- don't want to say we're going to be in for more of the same. I think it'll be a much more even contest this time around um, in terms of the, the Christmas fixture that they're going to play. Uh, look, uh, I don't think I can come up with a prediction for this one because who absolutely knows what's going to happen. Adelaide United 2, Wellington Phoenix 1, Paletti. You know, the story here is obviously Adelaide get their first win of the season, but to me it really did feel like Wellington lost this game you know in terms of that perspective they really only have themselves to blame maybe just a little bit of complacency going 1-0 up against the side who's still winless in the competition I don't know they threw away a lot of big chances in the first half to increase their lead and really put away the game they didn't take those and they left themselves vulnerable to those two late goals from Adelaide that took the points away from them I mean, for me, the moment of this game was um, was the Mariana Speckmeyer miss in yeah. the first half, where she rounds the keeper. It doesn't quite round the keeper, but if you haven't seen the highlights, like gets into a good position, one-on-one with the keeper, literally is able to round the ball around the keeper into an open net, and it bounces off the bounces off the upright and comes back out. And for me, like that miss stood out as the moment of the game because. Wellington have a two-goal lead and honestly, uh, don't want to say that Adelaide would have struggled, but we we have seen Adelaide struggle a little bit this year. And if you're going a 2-0 lead at home to, you know, a team that's near the top of the table, like uh, maybe the confidence just starts to just starts to waver a little bit. 
and it, the doubt starts coming to the mind. Like, oh no, not again! It's it, it can't be happening again. Sort of vibe. So I think for me that stands out as a miss of the game. Um, Adelaide, we've Adelaide have been an interesting one this year in terms of where they are and what they're doing. And you know, Antonis has talked about you know their defensive issues, the way they set up. Like I think it's just it's been a been an interesting one. And I think what we saw from Adelaide in this game was a strong performance. They showed that they can be resilient. It's kind of what we all expect from from them in terms of in terms of getting together and uh, you know as a unit and uh, maybe this is what kickstarts their season. Yeah, I mean we have talked about that plenty. Sometimes you just need three points to get things underway. But oh, I don't know. You look at the two goals they score. Emily Condon, yeah, capitalizing on a, a little bit of chaos in the penalty area. But then the winning goal, especially, you know, the set piece from Sasaki. I don't know what Riley Foss is doing. Are we giving her the excuse of maybe the sun was in her eyes, just misjudges the long ball? But she really has to be stopping that. And maybe it's just the three points that get Adelaide going. But I'm not sure if there is a whole lot in that Adelaide United performance that they can really look at and say, you know, we deserve to win that game and that would give them a whole lot of confidence going into next week. Look, this could very well just be a game where Adrian Santa looks at it and goes, right, three points, let's forget about it, move on to next week, sort of vibe. I mean, the, the Riley Foster, yeah, probably say she lost it in the sun, could have also misjudged the flight, maybe wasn't expecting maybe wasn't expecting it to go direct, maybe expecting it around the penalty spot as well, because um, we usually see set pieces from that distance go into the penalty spot as opposed to straight on target. So, look, the only person who's, going to know what Riley Foster was thinking was Riley Foster. And so I, I think it just might be one of those, yep, you, you just try to forget about it and move on. Well, move on we shall to the final game of the round. Brisbane won, uh, Western Sydney Wanderers won. Paletti, the Roar are still winless under Alex Smith. Uh, this is now three points from their last six games in total, if I'm not mistaken. Further question marks over the decision to change the manager. I guess Western Sydney Wanderers, to be fair, have come in in good form. Uh, two wins and clean sheets in their last two games. So maybe that's a positive sign for the Raw moving forward. I don't know. I mean, uh, I've already spoken ad nauseum about my thoughts on the decision for Brisbane to get rid of Alex Smith. And so you can go back and listen to uh, past episodes of the A-Leagues of our own podcast if you want to hear those thoughts. This was a game that shows to me to me the biggest story from this game is not what happened on the pitch it was off the pitch this game shows why the Queensland government needs to pull their finger out and redevelop Perry Park this was a brilliant crowd on a Sunday afternoon in Queensland five o'clock kickoff it's a great stadium in you know well accessible and if you build it, they will come. In this case, it's a rebuild of Perry Park. It's updating facilities. It's making sure that you know things things go the way they need to. Uh, but there is the potential there, and this game shows it from a crowd perspective in terms of who turned up, how they turned up, when they turned up. The Royal Corps did a massive job. Um, you know, you could hear them on the broadcast. Like that's basically my takeaway from this game is this is what we need to do for Perry Park. This is, this is if you've got the government asking, okay, why should we do it? This is the game you would show them because of everything that's around it. On the field, I think 
one one probably a fair result on the balance of play. Um, it's good to see Sophie Harding keeping on her um you know keeping keeping her run of form going on the score sheet. I believe that's three straight now that she's scored goals in. Um, although my memory is a little bit hazy given that as we recorded this quarter past eleven on a Monday night, three straight no sorry four straight for Sophie Harding. Oh, I really am losing my mind. I think that says a lot about you know, Sophie Harding's development this season because there were times last year where it looked like she couldn't hit a barn door. So something's obviously working at Wonderland for her. Honestly, like I, I hope she keeps it up because it's clear that there's talent there and if the Wanderers are going to do anything this season, they, they're going to need Sophie Harding going strong up front. Absolutely. Okay. Well, Pauletti, thank you very much for making the effort to join me, as you said, late on this Monday night, straight off football at Campbelltown. And since we last seen you as well, happy birthday. Boo. No, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much for that. It's, I, I, had a, I had a decent day. That will do for this episode of the ALEs of Our Own Podcast. Pauletti, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Uh, everyone will be back on Friday. Uh, we are not 100% sure when the Socceroos squad announcement for the Asian Cup will be. Friday's episode will either be a squad prediction or an analysis. We'll let you know when we do. Uh, but thank you all for listening at home. We'll see you then. Goodbye.